Well, for those of you that are just completely lost about what's going on right now, if you haven't been around here the last couple of months, we're going through a video series uh, called For the Life of the World. You can go back to our website, which is on your, your program there, and you can go back and watch the videos. That was actually the second half of the second video that we started a couple weeks ago. So we're going to be uh, expounding on, a, on some of the themes that they talked about this morning. And just like this video started in Genesis 1, at the very beginning of the Bible, God makes this amazing proclamation in verses 26 and 27. You can put that up there on the screen. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So at the very beginning of that verse, who is the us and the our in that passage. It's the Trinity, right? As displayed in that video by those three little angels, God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus living in active uh, community with one another, this intimate, creative relationship that they shared from the very beginning of time. And so if we were created in his image, then we were created to be in community and, and to be creative and intimate and one another to be united with people in, in vision and purpose. And we see that played out in relationships uh, that we have here on earth, uh, in marriage or friendship or family. But not only were we created as relational beings with a desire to connect and to be loved and to be known, but we see more of our purpose revealed in the words of Christ. So when God put on flesh and he came to this earth, he said this about his purpose in John 10, 10. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus came that we might have life. Everything God does is for the life of the world, that we might experience abundance, abundance and fullness, um, life as it was created to be. And so that's what Christ came to do. But then how... Did he actually give us life? How does he go about that? In his own words, he said this in Matthew 20, 28. He said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So the way in which we got life was that Jesus poured his life out. He gave his life away. So created in his image, if we're going to, to, to live the life that God intended for us to live, then we, we, are, we must live that in community, in relationship with other people. We must understand that our life is really for the benefit that others might have life. And the way in which that happens is that we die to our selfish nature and we give ourselves away so that others might be blessed. Community and family. For me, as a kid growing up, those were pretty foreign concepts to me. I really didn't really understand what those things really meant. I was an only child and in a divorced family. We didn't really have a lot of extended family here in the Kansas City area where I grew up. Um, uh, I also wasn't a part of a church, so I didn't really learn about you know, community and family in that context either. And so in the midst of kind of those circumstances in which I, I grew up, um, it became very much a part of me from a very young age that life was really just about me and about my personal happiness. 
And so other people, other kids, when I was a kid, weren't really so much potential friends that I could have as much as they were people that I could use to get what I wanted out of life, whether that's happiness or acceptance or success or whatever it might be. And I know it's sad, it's sad at least for me to hear myself say that out loud, but it's true if I'm really being honest. I had a really broken perspective on life and relationships. So given that broken understanding, um, you can imagine how much of a stretch it was for me when all of a sudden I brought this wife into my home and then these children that kept coming into our life, um, just how challenging that was when I'd grown up with this idea that the whole purpose was to make myself happy. Luckily, by my early 20s, when I engaged in those things, getting married, having kids, I'd already said yes to following Jesus, and I'd said yes to the mystery of marriage and the mystery of parenting, so I at least had a desire to grow in an understanding of what it meant to live an other-focused life, okay? And my wife, Kristen, and I, we both grew up in divorced families and kind of dysfunctional homes, and so... Uh, for us, creating a new normal for what our family life was going to be like was, was really important. Um, but here's uh, some things that I think that we would admit in hindsight is that we often allowed good to be the enemy of great. We often allowed good to be the enemy of great. And here's what I mean. Is that oftentimes we, we felt just good that we've been married for 20-whatever years fairly happily our kids are doing pretty well and a lot of times it was like yeah we're doing pretty good I can't really say that we um, have been very intentional about how we've gone about it we don't have a business card Um, we've made a ton of mistakes and a lot of times honestly we've just kind of settled with the comfort of knowing hey we're not perfect but at least it's better than what we experienced. And we've kind of allowed that to be good enough. But all the while, deep down, there's kind of this gnawing sense that both of us have had that there's, God wants something more than that for us and for our family. And throughout the Bible, um, God chooses to use the language of family. Time and again, he refers to himself as the Heavenly Father and to us as his children And so no matter what kind of a family background we've had and no matter how dysfunctional our views might be on um, what family is and what it means or what it's meant to you in life, as Christians, God forces us to reimagine what family could and should be. So we didn't get to choose the language or the metaphors, but God chose those for us, and now we're forced to kind of figure out if we didn't have a great family background we we'll figure out how to, how, to, how to reimagine what that could look like in our own families. So let me pause for a minute and ask you a cultural question. How would you say that most American families would define a successful family? What, what kinds of things would go into that where parents would kind of like pat themselves on the back and say, yeah, we've kind of arrived? Not necessarily Christian Americans, because that's a pretty small minority, but just Americans in general, we're going to put your answers up on the screen here. What do you, how do you think most Americans would define a successful family? What would be present? A nice house. A nice house. Okay. Stuff. What's that? Stuff. stuff. Having a lot of stuff. 
Hinkley, how are we doing back there with that Lafayette education? You getting going there? Oh, I know, I know. I'm just teasing you. Okay, what else? What else? A nice house, some stuff? Yeah. Children's success. So honor roll. You know, we got the, the, the bumper sticker. You know, our kid's an honor roll student. Or maybe for you, my kid beat up your honor roll student. I don't know. What else? Yeah. Financial security. Okay, good. You're set for life, right? Other things. Cars, okay. Health. health, yeah, you're healthy, okay. Education. Education, yeah, you've gone to college, okay. Your kids have, have gone, to, gone to school. Being attractive, yes. Other things. You're a role model for other people, okay. Good, yeah, people look to you. Man, our kids are going crazy. Those little numbers at the bottom are... are are kids that you're on your tags that are having a rough day. So, all right. So those, those are some things, all right? So we would, we would say, man, if we have those things and we have a successful family, right? Um, if you're like me, I look at that list and I say, man, that's, that's aiming too small. That's aiming too small. But really, it's kind of just the wrong target to begin with, which then begs the question, what are we ultimately trying to accomplish when it comes to family? What are we ultimately trying to accomplish when it comes to family? And young people, I want you to really pay attention here this morning. If you're 15 or 18 or 19 and you're not married, you don't have kids, and you're thinking, what does this have to do with me? So one thing you will be one day, probably, And you have the opportunity now to begin asking the questions and shaping in your heart and mind what it is you want your family to be so that when that time comes, you can lead them well so that when a time comes to look for a mate, you're looking for someone that has the same vision as you do. But I would also say that God can use you right now if you're kind of in a broken family situation to bring a a, a better image, a more healthy image of what family is and God can use you as the child to begin influencing your parents in a different way. So I want you to hang in there with me and and know that this applies to you as well. Last week, Justin shared um, what we saw in that video was that there are a lot of dysfunctional families in the Bible. And a lot of the the examples that he shared were people that we would kind of call heroes of the faith. And we looked at things that went on in these guys' families, the, the adultery, the, the murder, the incest, the rape. I mean, just crazy, messy stuff. And then we contrasted it with uh, this family that we talked about today as well in the video. is the family of Christ, of Joseph and Mary, Jesus' parents. And the thing that stood out to me about the difference between them and some of the other families that you look at in the Bible was what I would say was just um, a somewhat simple faith in that they trusted God with what he would have them do. Not that it made any sense, not that it was easy, but they trusted him. And they trusted his timing and his goodness in all of those things. They said yes to the mystery of marriage and to parenting the savior of the world. Because when you look at their story, their circumstances were not very good. 
The first few uh, years of Jesus' life were kind of a mess and a lot of tragic things and moving to foreign countries and being on the run from people trying to kill their child. And I'm pretty sure that at many times they thought, hey man, we didn't sign up for this. (laughs) We didn't think this was going to be this difficult. And then their son grows up and he leaves home to go out on this mission that God had prepared for him all along to go and be the savior of the world. And, and there seems to be this sense that Mary and Joseph had this understanding that, that that was part of God's plan. And so they release him to go and do that, even though they had no idea exactly what that was going to require of him in the end. There was an openness, a trust to that. And earlier in this series, we talked about this, this idea of stewardship, that God entrusts all of us with certain things. And some of us, like Joseph and Mary, have been trusted with children. But we've all been entrusted with these certain currencies that all of us have. And we put those up on the screen a few weeks ago. We talked about the currency of time, the currency of of resources, things that God's given us, the, the skills and abilities and talents that we have, the physical space, you know, our homes that we can open those up to people our emotional space, our, our feelings that we open those up to others, relationships. And, and today is really talking about the currency of love. And next week, we're going to take a look a little bit deeper into our families and how we're doing at leading them in a way that reflects the image of God. And so if we say that we were created in God's image and that that image was one of connection, And that the way in which we we go about living that out in this world is that we're here to be a blessing to other people. And and the way that we bless others is by giving ourselves away, by pouring ourselves out. Then how are we doing at leading our family in in that image of, of showing the world what Christ looks like? What are we teaching them about the currency of love and what it means to give our family away to be a life to the world? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come and just kind of uh, begin this discussion with an understanding of who you are, that you are a a God that lives in constant community within yourself, that you're a God that's creative, you're a God that's intimate, you're a God that came very near to us in the person of Jesus to give us life, and the way in which you gave us that life, Lord, was that you gave your life away. And as, uh, as, as husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and children uh, and people of God today, Lord, we want to reflect that image in this world. And we understand that there's got to be some intentional, uh, intentionalness to it. We, we've got to think about the life we're living and whether we're hitting the mark uh, the way we want to. Are we falling into traps of what just American success story looks like? Or are we really reflecting what, what you would define as success, which often is the exact opposite of the world. Lord, that we would realign our vision and our purpose with your values, with your image, and how you blessed us. So God, prepare our hearts. Uh, hopefully you've kind of stirred up some things in us this week that we can kind of begin thinking about and pondering a little bit, and uh, hopefully we can drive some things home in the week ahead. So thank you for this time this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and stand with us as we close today.